I'm Charlene. In these 20 minute podcasts, I talk with memoir writers about their books, their lives, and their writing process. Sharing like this helps us all connect. As we listen, we learn about the world through the eyes of others. Their stories help us expand our views and empathize more deeply with each other. It's my pleasure now to invite you to listen in to this episode of Life Story on Soul Sciences. Hi listeners, I'm here again today with Sue William Silverman. Sue is an author of more than one memoir, and we will get into that exploration very, very quickly. Her latest book is called How to Survive Death and Other Inconveniences. Welcome back to the program, Sue. Thank you. It's really lovely to be back again. Thank you for having me again. Thanks for coming on. Sue, we were talking about structure and many, many of the sort of intellectual aspects of writing a book. I have a question for you. Why would you write four memoirs? I know. In some ways, it's sort of, I, when I realized I was going to have a fourth come out, I was sort of uh, apologizing to, uh, to my friend saying, I, look, I know I just had a small little life, and, and I'm not really egotistical. I'm really, you know, it's just, it's not about that. But um, writing memoir really is about self-exploration. If you're a famous celebrity, you write an autobiography, and that's your whole life. For the rest of us who aren't famous for, you know, like doing anything except for kind of surviving and sort of plodding through, memoir is really a slice of a life. If you try to cram like your whole life or too much of your life in one book, it's just not going to work. It's going to sort of sound like, well, this happened to me, and then this happened to me, and then this next thing happened to me. And ultimately, that's not all that interesting. What's more interesting is like why something happened. And what does it mean? And what are the metaphors around the experience? So a memoir is really a slice of a life. So as I was saying on the previous program, like the first memoir that I wrote is just about growing up in my incestuous family. And that's really all that book could hold. In order to really fully explore that experience, I needed to stay very um, focused on that topic and on that theme. And then the second book is called Love Sick, One Woman's Journey Through Sexual Addiction. Now, obviously, the sexual addiction evolved because of the incest. I mean, so clearly there's a, a connection there. However, it could not be one book, though. The uh, voice of the first book is kind of a wounded sort of child voice. The voice of lovesick where I'm acting out of sex addiction is tougher it's edgier there's also a vulnerability to it because sort of the me that's not the addict wants to recover it's about 28 days I spent in rehab the voices between those two books are so different and just the time span is so different I mean the energy is so different that they really had to be different books in order to fully understand each of those themes so I had those two books, and really, to a large extent, I thought, well, that's probably all I have to say about myself. So growing up, I wanted this sort of 1960s pop music idol, Pat Boone. I don't know if anybody else has heard of him. He's an American pop star. I wanted him to adopt me growing up. 
And as it turns out, he was sort of on this oldies tour. I mean, now he's like, I don't know, in his 80s or something, but he's still touring around. And I went to a concert, really kind of I wanted to see him and sort of sneak backstage and tell him what he meant to me. But also I thought, I'll write about it. So I did. And that kind of kicked off a third book, which is called The Papoon Fan Club, My Life as a White Anglo-Saxon Jew. Because what I discovered is I really wanted him to adopt me because he's known as this very Christian conservative Republican, which I am not at all. But he was the antithesis of my Jewish father. So it made sense. And then I realized, well, I hadn't really written about how growing up, I really didn't, I kind of ran away from my Judaism, mainly because of my Jewish father. But I'd never really written about that. And I started writing essays. And they started to start coming together as a book, as this one sort of thematic whole about a kind of a very quirky search for spirituality is really what the third book is about. And it encompasses a lot of sort of pop culture references. So that became its own kind of entity, this um, search for spirituality. It needed, again, a completely different, very highly ironic uh, voice to convey a lot of that. And so, again, that whole idea of search for spirituality, particularly with people like Pat Boone, which is just so kind of, I don't know, dubious to start with, could never fit into those first two books, as I said. And so then I finished that book. And then in between that, I wrote a craft book, um, which is called Fearless Confessions, A Writer's Guide to Memoir. So that's kind of about sort of a how-to write uh, memoir book. And I wrote a couple of uh, poetry collections. But then I realized that, you know, writers kind of write their obsessions. So I'd written about incest. I'd written about sex addiction. I'd written about Papoon and my whole Jewish experience. And then I realized, well, one of my biggest obsessions is death and fear of dying. And I've never written about that. So that kind of slowly, I mean, it didn't come to me all at once, but it kind of slowly came to me that I really needed to explore that. And so that's how, I mean, when you think about your life or any, uh, anybody who's listening who's a writer, think about how you can kind of split up or divide up your life into different categories. I mean, even things like my life as a daughter or a son or my life as a mother or whatever your uh, profession is, or just uh, around themes that sort of follow you through your life, or make a list of anything that obsesses you. And that's something that's, you know, ripe for material. And memories are one thing that obsess me. And I focus a lot on memories, particularly in the How to Survive Death book, because sort of as a writer by collecting your memories and writing your memories that is a way to survive death I mean not sadly not the physical part of me but it is but memories themselves are um, you know they last forever if they're written down I mean they are um, immortal in a way and so I think a lot of it 
has been about collecting memories and setting them down and, and not just collecting them, but sort of curating them, making sense of them, discovering what the metaphors are around these memories. They do then become immortalized. And that became kind of the theme of this fourth memoir, the How to Survive Death book. So it, yes, it's about how to survive death and you know my fears around it, the origin of the fear. But as I say, more than anything, it is really about this idea of memory. Yes. Now, when you were doing your third book, did you come across a spiritual belief that made sense to you? You mentioned that it really was a spiritual adventure and quest. What I actually came to realize is that for me, spirituality doesn't have to do with like a real religion, but it, it is, it does have to do with writing. That my spirituality really does revolve around the written word and this idea of self-exploration. So it's not like a deity or this kind of outside force. It really is more looking within and finding the language that's me. And then living a kind of, I also teach, and I think teaching for me is a form of spirituality because it's um, helping other people find their voices and the courage to sort of set their stories down on paper. So it's really about kind of how to live a life. Because I think it would be helpful to have a, a, an established sense of your own spirituality before you go adventuring into death. I think that would keep one on a little bit more of an even keel, you know. That's why I was thinking of that. The other thing I wanted to mention, Sue, is I saw some comment that you had in a written interview that you did. I think the person's name was Dinty Moore. Oh, Dinty Moore, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you were talking, I think in that one, about, no, maybe it was another one. Anyway, you were talking at one point or writing at one point about how People seem to excoriate writers who use the personal pronoun. People seem to think there's something wrong with writing about I, when in fact, in my view, I think it's the verbs that are counting. If you've got good verbs coming after the I, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's going to be fun and interesting or you know, gripping and dramatic or not. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that today? Yeah, that's actually a, an article I wrote, and it's in Hippocampus magazine, so it's online. If anybody, uh, there's a link to it on my website. So the, the big explosion of memoir kind of began in the mid-1990s. And almost from the get-go, we were accused of, you know, navel-gazing, and it's just sort of being very narcissistic and just all these horrible things. And a lot of reviewers and critics could not understand that we were turning our lives into art. They just refused to accept creative nonfiction or memoir as an art form. And I violently take exception to that. And it's still happening. I mean, this article that you mentioned is something I just wrote, you know, about a few weeks ago. It's still happening. I mean, we're still, you know, people are saying, oh, there's too much I in personal essay. Well, what is a personal essay other than I? And they, but they don't understand that the, that the universe is in the eye. If I'm telling my personal story, it's not just about me. If I'm writing about loss or grief or alienation or search for identity, there are things that everybody can relate to. So just for an example, um, with my second book, So I Struggle with the Sex Addiction, you don't have to have had you don't have to have struggled with a sex addiction to relate to the emotion of that book. 
in that it's also a fear of intimacy. There's, it has to do with alienation. It's a search for love. So these are common um, things and common emotions that we all share. And so when I write about myself, yes, it's my story, but I'm also writing about others. I mean, when I do publish these books, I always get, you know, lots of hundreds of emails from people thanking me for telling their story too, even if it wasn't the exact same story they could relate to the emotion behind it. Mm -hmm. So the I is, yes, me, but it's more than me. It's really about we. Yeah, I got a couple of comments about that. One is that the people who seem to be changing or challenging the notion of the I haven't quite caught up to the idea of the uncertainty principle in physics that the investigator changes the shape and the form of the actual experiment. So if we apply that to literature, which why wouldn't we? We are all made of the same thing. It doesn't matter where consciousness goes, there it is. Right. And so then we see, well, at least with memoir, it's a way of trying to incorporate the concept that the eye has something to do with the nature of the experiences. Exactly. I mean, that is such a good analogy. I mean, I love that analogy, in fact. And that's so true. And I think that the other piece of it is that there are so many people like these critics who are scared to look within and they feel threatened by our stories. And one might note that a lot of them are men. And the uh, whole memoir movement really began with women finally breaking the silence, like the whole hashtag Me Too movement. And they're scared. We are telling, by telling our secrets, we're sort of saying, oh, you know, look at what men have done to uh, women's lives throughout the decades and centuries. And so I think that they're also just really scared that women are finding their voice and they're trying to silence us. You know, that's what these attacks on memoir are. It's a, it's a kind of trying to silence us. Exactly. Because one of the codes of the old masculine, and we see it in everywhere, we see it everywhere, is the men allow each other to sexify their children to rape people and they just all everybody just goes along with it it's just part of the old boys thing. that's the old masculine the new masculine does not the new masculine that's right. says that's out the door but the old masculine still holds within our so-called structures and i just wanted to take a moment to say that that again the idea to me around memoir why it's so vitally important sue and i wanted to offer this to you and see your your takeaway on or your input on it all of our institutional belief systems are falling you can't trust the church anymore you can't trust those men and what they're doing you can't trust the government anymore you can't trust the news media you can't trust the religious leaders of tibetan buddhism don't get me started you can't trust any of the big picture people who've been trying to establish hierarchical establishments they're all falling from the boy scouts to all of them they're all leveling because they're leveling, we're in a time of vast confusion, and we need each other's stories even more to guide us. That's right. That's right. It is the, it is the human story, our narratives. That's what, we, um, that's what lives forever, and that's how we make these important connections. I mean, how did I meet you? Through story, through narrative. Yeah. I mean, that's how we um, 
survive as a culture, as a race, as a, as a species, that, that's as a our species, thing. exactly. Our thing is story. It, that's right. It is through story. Through brain works. Yes. I mean, back in cavemen, I mean, they were drawing their draw. I mean, they were telling narratives, you know, I mean, that's what it's been. That's what survives. Mm -hmm. Stories survive, narratives survive. And that's why it's absolutely crucial. It's absolutely crucial. You know, we all have a story. We all have a voice. And if we don't tell our stories, nobody else is. Nobody else I mean, it's so important for us all to know that we have a voice, that our stories are important. Thank you so much again for a lovely discussion. We could oh, go thank on. Thank you so much. <laughs> and again, where can people find your fine books? So you can, uh, my books are available on any of the online bookstores, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop, um, or you go to my website, which is my full name. It's S-U-E-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N.com. Sorry, it's a long name, but SueWilliamSilverman.com. If you go there, you can learn more about me, how to contact me, and also order my books. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sue. It's been a pleasure and a joy. I hope to talk with you again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So I love talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it. That's all for today. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for that lovely music, Carefree. And many thanks to all of you who make these podcasts possible. Remember, take good care of each other. Bye for now.